Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome back. It's the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online and apps. In episode 98, we discuss news about the English Championship clubs threatening to break away from the EFL, what we thought about Bundesliga's Der Klassiker, uh, you, the readers, share your opinions about the European Super League idea, and we have the latest TV ratings of soccer games that aired in the US. My name is Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnaya. So, Kartik, we decided to do this podcast uh, early this week. It's Wednesday as we're recording it. Uh, Thursday and Friday, we are going to be in Miami for the SoccerX conference, and uh, we hope to get some good interviews and some good uh, information from that conference and then report back on that next week. Um, before... Well, actually, we'll leave the soccer ex- uh, discussion for, for the next podcast. But this past week, Kartik, was a really intense soccer weekend. Some really good football games. Uh, I saw three in particular that were absolutely uh, astounding. Uh, but what for you was, was your favorite game from this past uh, week? Well, I only saw one game in its entirety. So <laughs> I have to pick that game, which is Dortmund and, and Bayern. I this is happening every election cycle to me, Chris, where I get busier after the election than right immediately uh, preceding the election. So I've just been on recount duty, uh, Florida. Uh, I, I did carve out time to watch specifically that match because I thought it would be uh, a classic, uh, the, their, their classicer, and it was. Um, I, I have to say, uh, it, it just we, we focus on media here. Keith Costigan and Ian Joy are getting really good. Maybe we'll save that for um, a later discussion. But I think that the, the chemistry between those two guys, Costigan has down what I would consider, you know, he's talkative enough for American audiences, but not too talkative for people like you and me who like um, the, the commentary to allow match to breathe. Um, Ian Joy is on point. Uh, Fox is, we've criticized Fox a lot on this show. We've criticized Fox a lot on worldsoccertalk.com, but I think this pairing has so much potential to be, uh, for me, their their best, their their shining stars. Uh, And uh, another great commentary uh, this week for that game. Yeah, well, well, let's talk about it now, because to me, they are the purest 
uh, form of exceptional soccer broadcasting commentators in the United States. And wh- what I mean by that, too, is that I look at, say, John Strong and Stuart Holden, uh, a very American style, very talkative. I look at uh, Ian Dark and Taylor Twelman, and that's kind of a, a mixture of combinations where Ian's more of a talkative uh, English commentator and Taylor's very... Uh, very precise with a lot of his analysis and there's a little bit of banter back and forth there's a little bit more uh kind of frivolity or kind of frivolous uh discussion but for me for out and out pure commentating kind of just just uh focusing on the game focusing on what we're seeing uh in front of our eyes Costigan and and he enjoy it at a perfect partnership and, and i think they're one of the best partnerships in the u.s uh, and I mean, he enjoys American. He's got a Scottish accent, but he's, he's American. Uh, Keith Costigan has lived in the U.S. for decades, and, and and to me, they are two of the best commentators in, in the U.S. I mean, I mean that, that that's what I would say, Kartik. Yeah, and Costigan, of course, uh, uh, played uh, as well in the United States uh, with uh, with Portland and some other teams in, in the USL. So uh, USL at the time, Portland, obviously their uh, MLS team now. Yeah, they're very, very good. They're very precise. And I think there's also a knowledge of that specific league that they've developed. Well, Ian Joy played in Germany, but uh, that Keith Costigan has developed now with Fox yeah. in year – is this year four? This is year four of their Bundesliga deal. Uh, and – and Fox has been very piecemeal in what they've done in terms of deploying commentators to Bundesliga matches. So they were random. They would have uh, uh, Costigan and Joy occasionally. They would have Joy in the studio occasionally. They would take the international feed. They would assign just random guys who were working at Fox's, Fox to matches. I think now in year four, they finally settled this. This is their top commentary team for Bundesliga matches. Uh, and if it is a match involving Bayern or Dortmund, you will generally hear uh, these two on the mic. So also, I think getting the reps in, the chemistry is is really good between them. They did the uh, Leipzig-Leverkusen game the next day, uh, which is the only other game I caught actually uh, this weekend. And again, a- another good call from them. Uh, but uh, uh, they were perfect for, for a big match yeah. like um, – like uh, uh, Dortmund and uh, Bayern. And I have to say, you know, you see the evolution. We, we were used to Phil Shane and Ray Hudson calling the biggest matches for us in this country. And then we eventually got used to uh, different kinds of uh, voices because we were watching so much of the Premier League, Arlo White, etc. But now I think as I look at it, and it's unfortunate Fox, at least from this perspective, only has the Bundesliga in terms of top leagues. Uh, I'm kind of getting used to these two actually doing big games. They might be the best uh, pairing uh, on U.S. television in terms of um, just the entire package. Um, and maybe that's a discussion for another day. Yeah, and you can tell that they study the game. They, they study the leagues. They, they know the leagues inside and out. They, they make a conscious effort to really uh, hone their craft. And I just like Keith's style. I mean, he has... Uh, a good style in terms of he's not talking too much and uh, there's pauses in the game. Uh, he allows for that. And, and then Ian Joy just with some really incisive uh, analysis and uh, it just accentuates the broadcast. And it was a great game. I mean, it was a perfect uh, perfect marriage between the, the good commentating and a great game. And uh, I really enjoyed it. And, and when you think about Kartik, you mentioned it's been now the, I think the fourth year 
Uh, next season is the last season under under Fox. So the 2019-2020 uh, season is the last season under the current uh, Fox uh, contract. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, probably about a year from now, we'll have some idea as far as maybe uh, who would be interested in bidding on this and if Fox would be interested in renewing the rights. But uh, that's one to watch, and I'm, I'm sure it'll be one we'll be talking about uh, in the next 12 months. My favorite game Kartik of the week, uh, and that was a close second, was the um, was the Bayern uh, Dortmund game or Dortmund Bayern game. My favorite was Barcelona against Real Betis. Uh, this was an absolutely incredible game to watch at the highest level. Uh, it was a four th- three to Real Betis at the at the Camp Nou, and uh, it was just a gem of, the, of, of a game. It was so good, Kartik, that actually Real Betis out Barcelona. Barcelona, Barcelona um, at their home stadium, just a, just an exceptional level of football. Just the, I mean, they they went at them. There wasn't one of those things where they parked the bus and held on, but they went out there with a really attacking style of football, uh, great passing skills, and just soccer of the highest order. And I really, really enjoyed that one. The other game I would say that was one of my favorites from this past weekend, just another fantastic game was Boca Juniors against River Plate in the Copa Libertadores uh, final first leg. This game was scheduled originally for Saturday, but the pitch was uh, completely waterlogged. So they moved it to on Sunday. Uh, this one I watched on Fox Deportes uh, through Fubo TV. And, and the commentary was good. I mean, again, I, I don't speak or understand Spanish, but it was passionate. It was emotional. Um, and, of course, the crowd at uh, La Bombonera uh, just just going crazy, and this was an, a really exceptional uh, atmosphere. The game was good, uh, not the greatest game, but but I think the ma- the marriage of the the atmosphere and the broadcast uh, and the occasion m- made the game feel even better. But a two two draw, uh, which now we go to uh, River Plate Stadium, uh, Stadio Mon- Monumental. Uh, I think at the end of uh, November, November twenty fourth for for the, the the second leg and uh, to see who's crowned champions. And uh, anything before we move on? Anything else, Kartik, that stood out? I, I, I know you've been kind of busy, and, and especially with the politics, it's very uh, all-consuming. But anything else before we move on? Yeah, no, I didn't see anything else. I mean, I saw the Seattle Portland game uh, Thursday night, uh, which was uh, uh, yeah, the atmosphere was good in Seattle, but the match wasn't very good. I was disappointed by the match actually, uh, and 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 the, the level of play. I mean, I've seen sort of highlights of, of other matches, including uh, the MLS playoff matches uh, for the weekend, but I did not see anything else uh, live or in, in nearly its entirety other than those two Bundesliga matches. Yeah, and I saw a few other games, like some of the games from the Championship, uh, some other Premier League games. Uh, nothing really stood out uh, other than the ones that I've mentioned so far. So, Kartik, let's move on to TV streaming news and uh, some interesting news to kick things off. Yeah, so the EFL negotiated a new contract uh, earlier this year uh, for the term beginning next season. Fifteen championship clubs, including Aston Villa, Leeds, Derby, are threatening to break away from the EFL over the TV deal, uh, which, um, uh, Chris, I mean, some quick analysis on this. There has been now more talk. Leeds owner Andrea Radrazzani, in fact, uh, who has a background in television, had, had set the table a few months ago about the possibility of a Premier League two, right? <laughs> and and, uh, yep. and all of this sort of thing that might come with, with connecting the Premier League to, to the lower divisions and then closing off the league potentially at some, some stage for, for television purposes. Uh, this, I think, is another 
um, small step potentially in that direction. So keep an eye on this. Yeah, it's a five-year deal that Sky Sports has with the EFL. So the EFL would cover the Championship, League One and League Two. And uh, the issue is really is that championship clubs uh, led by Leeds United are saying, OK, Leeds United is drawing on average about half a million viewers to the games uh, in England watching the championship. And you know, there's other big clubs like Aston Villa, etc. They're drawing a lot of viewers. But if you look at the, the amount of money they're getting for the TV rights, yeah. I believe that they're getting about uh, about two million pounds a season. Um, and they have they have bonuses then too. Uh, as each game is shown on television, they get bonuses based on that. But they're saying that, that uh, the way that the, the money is set up is that for League One and League Two, they're guaranteed a, a set, set fee. Uh, those clubs are happy with it, but the championship clubs are saying, okay, we're the ones that are driving the most number of viewers, and we're the ones that are driving the revenue and the value in this, and we're not getting the value in return in terms of the TV revenue. As a comparison, the the Premier League, on average, uh, clubs would be getting for you mean, £100 million pounds plus uh, a season. So it's a big drop-off from the £100 million pounds to the, the £2, £2 million pounds in the championship. And uh, these clubs, there's 15 of them, are saying, OK, well, we're considering breaking away and having our own league. Uh, at the same time, the Premier League says we're not interested. <laughs> so I, I think it's, uh, I mean, there's definitely negotiation. They're definitely trying to increase those, those, uh, the amount of money that EFL clubs get. Uh, whether or not they're serious enough about the, the breakaway league, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, this is a, an, another one to, to keep an eye on. Yeah, I, I mean, of course, just real quickly, I'm, I'm getting a little tired of this because the reality is that, um, you, you know, you cannot have football as a sustainable product and a working class sport if leagues continue to break away and hoard the television money. And I think the Premier League precedent is what has gotten us to the point where we are in in. Um, global football, including uh, Major League Soccer. I mean, I, I, I hate how reform advocates in, in the U.S. Who, who don't like MLS and don't like closed leagues keep citing the Premier League as, as their inspiration because it, it was essentially a breakaway league in order to hoard the money. Yes, there's promotion and relegation, but the cost of relegation is so steep from a television standpoint, as you just mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, that it's created this kind of haves and haves-nots, which to me is not what football is about. Uh, that having been said, I guess we have to live in reality and, and the trains left the station and I expect uh, some sort of breakaway to happen. I've thought for a while the bigger championship clubs would break away from the rest of the football league and we might be on our way. Yeah, hopefully the EFL kind of comes back and, and gives uh, some of these clubs some more money in the championship just to you mean, kind of just uh, ease things out and hope, hope that uh, everyone agrees and there's a compromise reached. But um, yeah, again, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that one. Uh, in other news, uh, pay TV, so uh, whether it's cable or satellite, is losing approximately 1 million customers uh, a quarter in its largest ever sure. quarterly wow. loss. That equals over 11,000 people a day. Are, switch, are basically canceling their cable and satellite services. So there's big opportunities, and that's why this podcast and, and our website and, and other places talk so much about streaming in terms of whether it's you know, legal streaming services that are out there, and we can see why. I mean, 11,000 people a day in the U.S. are, are canceling the services, and that equals about a million people uh, a quarter. So the things are the, the definitely things are heading that way more and more uh, as each day goes by. Kartik, some big news uh, in the world of TV and the Premier League. Yeah, so Richard Scudamore, as, as we know, stepped down uh, the, this past summer, announced that he was stepping down as Premier League chief, and he's uh, brought the league to, to unforeseen heights, quite frankly, when he took over. So now we have Susanna Dinaj 
taking over as uh, as Premier League chief, she doesn't have a background in football. Her background is in television, and I, I just said to go right when we're talking about the EFL situation that the Premier League is essentially a made-for-TV breakaway league. So it seems like a pretty good marriage in that term, in those terms, and the Premier League is a media behemoth, right? Everything they do is about media and television development in terms of what the Premier League itself does, the the entity known as the Premier League. Now, individual Premier League clubs have footballing considerations and other commercial considerations outside of TV and media, but I think the Premier League itself, uh, they organize a competition and they uh, they sell media rights, they create media, they work through media channels. So it seems like, at least from my perspective, we had a little bit of discussion about this yesterday, Chris, a logical appointment. But I think people are going to be kind of concerned that she has no football background. Yeah, so KTK uh, on Twitter asked this question. He says, what do you guys think about this? Someone with TV, media background, but not sports or football. Uh, sign of the future importance of media development and growth to the league. And, and KTK is uh, absolutely correct. And you too, Kartik, is... Um, is, is that this person, uh, Susanna Denage, uh, is really comes from a TV background. So she's worked for 20 years in the industry, uh, mostly at uh, the Discovery Channel uh, in Europe, uh, also Animal Planet. So lead, leading those channels in Europe. And it's one of those things that um, I think it's a good evolution for the Premier League chairman. So Richard Scudamore has done a fantastic job of really kind of... Um, focusing the league as the world's most popular sports league, uh, the number one uh, marketed uh, soccer league in the, in the world. And a large portion of that, the one the large reasons for that uh, success has been from TV. So now as we go into a new decade or, and kind of looking at the future, I think TV has become more important than others. And it's an ever-changing TV landscape too, just as we talked about with you know, a million people a quarter uh, Cancelling their cable and satellite subscriptions, we're moving more and more into streaming. So, it's a good opportunity, I think, for the Premier League, and uh, we'll have to wait and see. She's got some definitely some obstacles in her path, uh, including Brexit and what happens with uh, transfers uh, of players into 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 England. Yeah, I, I- and in fact, I think I'll just report this real quickly. I think that there is a move afoot that's probably going to come out in the next few days to limit the number of uh, foreign players in the Premier League after Brexit kicks in. Right. Definitely. Kind of having a, a, a quota of, uh, you mean, you have to have... The- yeah, players from the EU or players... Right. Yeah, right. Quota of... Pl- so right now, I know that people will say, oh, well, you have to have eight English or Welsh players or players trained in England or Wales, but uh, you do not need work permits for players from the EU. They essentially, in immigration terms, count as domestic players. My understanding is the Premier League, um, there had been just wild, wild optimism, right, among um, among Premier League fans. Oh, well, the Premier League, they, they're so powerful, they would never let restrictions on, on this happen that would impede their product. My understanding, Chris, as of well, yesterday evening is that there's discussions now and there might be some news in the next few days about quotas and, and, and um, the Premier League having to limit the number of EU players, the intake of EU players. Uh, obviously, the players now in the Premier League would be grandfathered in, but future mm-hmm. in order to placate the home office in the wake of Brexit. So right. uh, this thing is not as straightforward as f- fans and proponents of the Premier League thought it would be. I, I, I do think the league is going to detrimentally by Brexit. There's no two ways about it. Yeah, so, so that's a big challenge. Yeah, it's going to be a big challenge for her to deal with that because the league is going to become less valuable in the eyes of uh, people globally if all the players uh, are going now to Spain and Italy uh, as destinations instead of England uh, because of uh, 
because of Brexit. Um, other challenges yeah. to the European Super League. Uh, we'll discuss that a little bit more in the, the, the listener mailbag and just the ever-changing TV landscape. So she's got a lot of uh, challenges ahead of her. She starts in January. Uh, Richard Scudamore's uh, time um, in that uh, Premier League chairman role will end at uh, the end of 2018. So, yeah, should be interesting to see what happens there. So moving on to TV ratings, Kartik, uh, a big number this, this past week came out for uh, Santos Laguna against uh, Club America, uh, Liga Mekis on uh, Unamas and Univision uh, Deportes Network, and that was one million viewers for that match. The Manchester Derby, Man City against Man United on NBCSN on Sunday. Uh, we have the English language uh, number for that. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what the Spanish language number is like. But uh, the English language number was 750,000 viewers uh, for a game that was on NBCSN, uh, not uh, NBC. So uh, a big number there for NBCSN. Some of the other numbers, Kartik, um, let me see what we've got. We've got, uh, actually, well, one of one of the numbers is for the Der Classico, which we talked about. Uh, a fantastic match uh, between Dortmund and Bayern Munich. Uh, a really, you mean, a really fat, great what match to watch. Unfortunately, um, the Bundesliga not getting the rub of the green because in the past, when they've had uh, uh, the game between Dortmund and Bayern Munich, oftentimes it's been on either Fox over the air or FX a few years ago. And uh, every time that it was on a big platform like that, it seemed that it all always end, ended up being like a boring nil-nil game. And the time that they have one of the best classicers in years ends up being, you mean, a, a three-two thriller-minute game ends up being on FS2. And uh, the viewership for that num- that game was 138,000 viewers. Yeah, and I think that there's uh, there's a lot to this. I mean, I think there's a lot to layers to unpeel in terms of the Bundesliga. We I always make the the the, the, the comment that maybe the Premier League is more popular everywhere because it's seen as more exciting. Even though, in my estimation, the football. As good in the Premier League as it is in Spain, for sure. And I think now even Italy and Germany, in many ways, particularly midfield play, have surpassed the Premier League. But when I think about Dortmund, Chris, I, and I think about Napoli last season, although they were stuck on BN, right? Um, I, I, and Monaco the year before, I'm realizing the most exciting teams in Europe year after year are not even in the Premier League. So I've fallen back on this excuse that the Premier League is more exciting, even though the quality isn't as good. That's why the ratings are higher. But then when I see this match, I see Dortmund, how many chances they create, how many chances Byron created in the first half, playing, you know, pretty open, uh, free-flowing football. Uh, I, I, I shake my head. I mean, this number is low. Again, it's FS2, but the number is low. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those challenges that the, the Bundesliga has. I mean, it, it has a tough challenge where this game is on FS2, so a lot of people don't even get, have access to that that channel. Uh, if it was on Fox, or if it was on FS1, the number would be one would have been much greater. But of course, more people have access to FS2. Far more people than BN. Right. Yet, uh, usually the, the BN top numbers La Liga are... games get bigger numbers. Right. Than this. Right. So it, it, yeah, so it's many things. It's many. It's it's historical. It's in terms of uh, loyalty. Club. I mean, soccer fans in the US having loyalty to different clubs that have formed over decades. Um, you, you mean there's many different things. The level of football, the language, I think is an issue too. Uh, the coverage, the coverage is a big part of it too in terms of the level of co- coverage and how Fox presents the Bundesliga. Does it look as yeah. as if it's a, a top-level league or is it kind of haphazard where you don't know when the games are going to be on, if they're on FS2, FS1, is it on Fox? You mean sometimes they're in the studio, sometimes they're not, sometimes it's a voiceover, sometimes it's not. So it's very inconsistent. With the NBC, you can say that that's 
since day one has been consistent. It, 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 I mean, you can almost sit back and with, with a stopwatch say, okay, this is exactly when it's going to start. This is when it's going to end. You expect the same type of people in the studio. You know what you're going to get. With the Bundesliga, it's been all over the place. And like we said, too, I mean, this is almost at the end of the Bundesliga rights cycle with Fox Sports. I mean, it just could, after this season, there's just one more season to go. And maybe finally they're getting it right after year four, but it's almost over. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's 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 a shame. And, um, and also scheduling, too. I look at the Bundesliga and look at the Bundesliga and say, okay, is this the right decision to schedule a game at this time of the year? where you know that the United States is one of the biggest markets that you could possibly uh, grow in uh, other than Asia, and you know that there's college football on, which is why... Right, right. You know what I mean? So, so it's, it's um, lots of mistakes from both sides, and um, it doesn't happen overnight. And, and it may be too late, because a year from now, when, when the, the bidding is up for the Bundesliga, and uh, there's more people looking at uh, renewing the rights or, or acquiring the rights... It may end up going to streaming. It could go to an ESPN Plus or a Bleach Report Live or a DAZN, and it's no longer on television. So those numbers would go down. Yeah. So, some of the other uh, viewership numbers, Kartik, um, Major League Soccer games from this past week, the MLS Cup playoffs, uh, kind of disappointing, actually. I think from the ESPN games, uh, Atlanta against NYCFC, 285,000 viewers on ESPN on Sunday from 5.30 to 7.30. And um, what else was there? It was the um, New York Red Bulls against Columbus on FS1, uh, 188,000 viewers on Sunday uh, from 7.30 to 9.30 Eastern Time. Um, and then, yeah, I'm just disappointing overall. All right, Kartik, let's move on to the listener mailbag. First up is Rob Keith. He says, hey, guys, I've been listening to the pod for a few years now, and I always look forward to Thursdays when a new episode comes out. I appreciate your analysis, insights, and news updates, but I've always felt that you've been too harsh towards Fox. That being said, I was absolutely furious at the way they handled the Dortmund Bayern game on Saturday. This is the biggest match of the year in the Bundesliga, and there were storylines abound to play up. Instead of jumping on this, they relegated the match to FS2, a channel that I and much of America don't get. It was an end-to-end match, and if you, if you're a, if you had a non-soccer fan watching that second half, they would have no doubt jumped on the bandwagon. It was a golden opportunity for Fox, and they dropped the effing ball. For the past three years, I've subscribed to Fox Soccer Match Pass, but since they no longer have rights to the Champions League and Europa League, I felt that $140 for the year was way overpriced, so I decided not to buy it. I created another email and signed up for their free seven-day trial in order to watch the match. At full time, I cancelled the free trial. It's shameful that a hardcore soccer fan had to jump through hoops to watch the biggest match of the season. How would a casual or prospective fan have the opportunity to see this incredible match? It's shameful that Fox didn't market the match or make it available to more people. I realize that college football gets higher ratings, but if you're trying to grow the Bundesliga in the U.S., this was the match to push. Fox clearly has no interest in growing anything except their bottom line, and they have no long-term vision for soccer. I wish the Bundesliga could cancel the TV rights deal so another carrier could pick it up next year. I'm sorry for the rant, but most of all, I'm sorry for ever thinking you were biased. Uh, thanks for the work you guys put in every week. So, so Rob Keith, uh, appreciate the uh, honest feedback there. Yes, yes, we are harsh on Fox. I think our expectations are high. Uh, maybe higher than 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 some people in in the industry, but uh, 
at the end of the day, whether it's Fox or ESPN or NBC or Turner Sports or BN Sports, we've been critical of all of them in different ways. But what we're trying to do, what I'm trying to do really is to elevate the coverage of soccer, elevate it to a level that, that, that fans can really appreciate and sink their teeth into and get more out of. And, and that's why sometimes uh, maybe I'm a, a little bit harsh on Fox. Can't take a lot of uh, good points there. Anything you want yeah. to mention? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing about Fox not having a long-term vision for soccer is correct. I think that they um, they acquire properties just to fill programming airtime and then preempt that those properties when it's not when it doesn't quite fit what they're doing and. The constant bumping of this match, this is the latest example of it. Uh, one year, there was such an outcry, they moved it to FX. Remember, but it was supposed to be on FS2. Yep. Uh, well, sorry, on Fox Soccer Plus that time. Um, that was in 2016, uh, March of, or February or March of 2016. Uh, I, I just don't know what to say anymore. I mean, and, and unfortunately, uh, we, we continue to be harsh, even though their actual coverage, their actual... Um, production levels, everything has improved, but it's still well below the, the required standard. And as Rob mentions, uh, they didn't build up this match. They didn't build up the storylines. I think the actual presentation from Costigan and Joy was off, off the charts good. But what about before, after, uh, halftime, all of that stuff, uh, they didn't do properly. And they didn't build it, build it up properly through the week. So uh, you know if it's a big, if it's a comparable game in the Premier League, comparable match in the Premier League, how NBC builds it up, and oh, if it's uh, El Clasico, how BN builds it up. Mm-hmm. So the, the the play is there. Fox just doesn't follow it. Jester Fish says, uh, for me, the post-match interviews in general are one of my least favorite things. Always reminds me of the Bull Durham cliches bit, totally generic, useless quotes, or the interviewer ta- asks about something that's literally against the rules for them to comment on. Given what the TNT producer said last week about the target audience, it's no surprise that they don't bother with these interviews. Only time I have ever enjoyed post-match stuff is something like the pitch side desk that you see sometimes where you get more interaction. So, so good points about the pitch side desk. I, I agree with what NBC has done. That that's worked out really well. I still think the post match interviews, for the most part, are, are a waste of time. But there are exceptions, and there was one exception this past week with uh, Claude Puel after the uh, Leicester Burnley match. Um, actually, was it post match or pre match? No, it was post match, where we talked. He talked about the game and, and what it meant for the players. Actually, I think it was pre match too. The pre- that was an example of a good pre match and a good post match. Um, but also, you I mean Jose? It's, it's almost a cliche at this point too. But uh, he does usually give good, interesting post match interviews that then stimulate debate. Uh, oftentimes in, in in his favor. So I, I get what you're saying, but I just think that TNT at, by this point have had zero post-match interviews, I think zero pre-match interviews. And uh, are they capable of doing it? Is there an issue tech, technically? Is it, you mean, th- there, are, there have been good post-match interviews, but for whatever reason, they're not choosing to actually show them. Although I think uh, Travis, the TNT producer, did say that... Uh, if there is something that comes up that's interesting, they will show it. So hopefully at some point they will I, show one. I, I, I tend to agree with that. But I would have made a couple 
exceptions recently. Uh, Santi Solari's first match was a Champions League match. Um, I would have uh, played the pre-match as Real Madrid manager, by the way, for those who don't know. Uh, and obviously, we have uh, we're, we're predisposed towards Solari because he's in uh, U.S. media at ESPN for a long time. So it's really for me kind of cool to see him managing Real Madrid. But uh, I would have liked to have heard Santi Solari's pre-match interview uh, on on TNT, and then. Mourinho after the Juventus game, obviously. Now, I'm not saying go and play. There are 16 matches. There are uh, eight matches, eight, uh, 16 matches every match day. Go, go around playing all the pre-match and post-match interviews. But there are a few that you should you should pull out every then. Um, and you, you, you might script the post-match uh, if you're TNT. But if you have a Jose Mourinho post-match interview, Chris, that's what you react to. That's essentially your script. You just go from there because he was something provocative. Now, the other managers in the other matches, you can ignore and you don't need to play those interviews. So I, I get kind of Travis's point about that. Um, uh, it went, obviously, Travis from TNT and uh, Turner. But uh, I, there are exceptions, notable exceptions. Well, also Charlie Austin uh, this week, too, as far as the post-match for Southampton, uh, where he was talking about uh, one of the goals that was disallowed. And that was that was a rare post-match interview with a player where, I mean, that was clip-worthy. That was worth worth uh, worth showing. And, um, and that was one I caught on, on social media. But uh, but but there are examples. It's, they are very rare. But uh, hopefully that the producers look at that and see, OK, which ones are actually worth showing to us that add value to, to the broadcast. JP says uh, great podcast last week uh, thank you both uh, I, I think you both may be understating the impact a European Super League would have on world soccer if it comes to fruition all other competitions will cease to be uh, viable financially the best comparison I can make is to the NCAA basketball you have your individual conferences Serie A, La Liga etc the NCAA tournament the Champions League and the NIT, the Europa League. Um, imagine if the biggest teams in each conference decided to create their own super conference and year-end tournament. The ACC without Duke, uh, UNC and Big Ten without Michigan, Michigan State, Indiana, and the Pac-12 without UCLA, and the SEC without Kentucky, and so on. The resulting conference conferences would be wouldn't be attractive from a TV rights perspective. And the NCAA tournament would also lose a lot of its luster uh, if the biggest teams were no long, longer relevant. While supporters of the remaining universities would still follow, it would not be enough support to remain viable as a commercial entity. In the end, it would, be, it would have more in common with uh, Division II programs. The competition remains, but virtually no one is paying attention and, and all the top talent is elsewhere. I really hope this uh, European Super League never happens. You mentioned the NFL model. I uh, could also say Americans, Americanization, slippery slope. Next step after Super League could be clock stoppages to facilitate commercial breaks. Now, Kartik, I know you're a big uh, fan of college basketball um, and some college sports. Uh, any, any, uh, any thoughts on this if uh, JP is heading in the right direction? Yeah, I think he is. I mean, I've made the same comparison in terms of conferences being like your domestic, uh, your domestic leagues, and, and the conferences tend to be regional in the United States. For those that don't know college sports, uh, although there have been some exceptions recently because of TV, that only because of TV, where Maryland, which is uh, inside the Beltway in the Washington D.C. metropolitan area, was grabbed by the Big Ten, which is a Midwestern conference, so they could grab the Washington D.C. television market. Uh, so there are now a few exceptions, but they're generally regional, and you play through a season to try and qualify for the NCAA tournament, which is like 
the uh, the the Champions League. And if you fall just short, but you're still a good team, uh, you end up in the uh, Europa League, uh, or excuse me, the NIT, which is like the Europa League. So it, it is structured very much the same way as, as European football right now. Um, the, the idea, if you took those top teams, if you took uh, Kentucky and Florida out of the SEC, you took Duke, North Carolina, Virginia out of the ACC, uh, gosh, I guess I guess he's right. I mean, I guess that viably that vi- viability as far as television products, those conferences go downhill. So it's the same thing, same concept. Uh, if you take uh, United City, uh, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool out of the Premier League, you take Dortmund and and, and uh, Bayern out of the Bundesliga. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's I, I, now that the comparisons put that way. Obviously, I, I'm just hearing this for the first time, but my reaction would be, yeah, I think he's right, unfortunately, which is why it has to be stopped, quite frankly. Jose Rodriguez says uh, the Super League is a crazy idea. As a Real, Real Madrid fan, I don't like it, but of course I'd still watch it and support them. However, I still support Grimsby Town in League Two, my team that brings me back to reality, I guess you can say, the, the true struggle of a team trying to make it. Anthony Bello says, I think there is no way that Fox Sports touches the European Super League. Owning the rights to the Super League would be the worst way to promote the World Cup because none of the players in the league are going to be in the World Cup. The idea that NFL is less open than European soccer leagues is ridiculous. Sure, the bottom is closed, but the top of the league is open. Since the Premier League started in 1992, only six clubs have won the title. In the same time period, 15 teams have won the, the Super Bowl. Also, I will disagree with you on uh, on what the NFL is built on. The league isn't isn't made for TV. Uh, sure, television built the league, but the reason it generates all the television money and viewership is because of parity, the same parity European football lacks. Why is having every team thinking they can win the Super Bowl on opening day a bad thing? Why is teams sharing their television tickets and merchandising revenue a bad thing? Why is the salary cap a bad thing? This is one thing I hate about European football. I know my my team is never going to win something, and this is despite the fact that we are in the most populous borough of London because other teams are going to outspend us. As an American, I look at that as just sad. So if the big teams want to go to a Super League, go. I don't care. If this is the only way that Crystal Palace can win the league, uh, fine by me. I have watched this team every week for 10 years. I am not stopping now. So, Kartik, some uh, some big uh, opinions there about the NFL and the closed league system, and some opinions that it's it's really not a TV league, uh, and some parity well, parity parity discussion there. What do you think? I, I think he makes some fair points. I mean, I I think the NFL is a TV driven league. It wasn't initially when I uh, when I was an NFL fan. When I started becoming an NFL fan when I was a little kid in the 1980s. Uh, but I think it's become more and more television driven over time. And I think decisions are made actually based on television as attendances drop, as ticket revenue uh, falls, sponsorship is based on television. I think it's a TV driven league. Uh, that's my opinion. Now, his points about the European. Uh, the, the competitiveness of European football. I'm not going to argue that. I've made those points myself that I, I don't like the forced parity necessarily, necessarily in Major League Soccer. I like an open system because I think it's good for player development. I think it's good for creating community interest and something to chase if uh, for, for, for clubs outside the top division and clubs outside the biggest the very biggest markets. Uh, if you have something to chase and you can you can promote you can be promoted or you have the incentive to develop and sell players. Uh, and move those players through the system that would help uh, U.S. soccer if you have promotion and relegation. I am not going to pretend 
like I think European football is competitive and that I, I like the Premier League the way it's structured. I, I have gone on record time and again saying I think the Premier League breakaway was a bad thing for English football. I think uh, it, it was the big clubs being very greedy, seeing the NFL. I think the NFL was their inspiration. This is where Anthony may not get it, uh, may not quite, and I might not see eye to eye. The NFL was the inspiration for the Premier League breakaway when uh, when uh, 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 Lord Sugar and uh, David Dean and others who were part of this uh, this master plan, this vision, uh, saw and, and and the executives at Sky and and initially at ITV. Remember ITV when they first talked about breaking away was going to handle the rights. Uh, they had watched the NFL and they had watched the success of it uh, in the United States kind of supersede baseball as the top top league and the top sport. Now, you could say there were other reasons for that, but I think a big part of it was the way that NFL captured television and, and Major League Baseball didn't. Um, so I, I think that all of this is, is, is based on the NFLization of a lot of uh, European football, particularly the Premier League. One, one quick point on salary caps. I think that that is correct. I, I, like, I want to have a luxury tax. I pushed the idea of a luxury tax when I was working with the NASL. Uh, you have to have a way of allowing, if teams are going to overspend, allowing them to spread the revenue um, to other uh, other clubs and or back into the league for investment. So again, um, here I would say Major League Baseball. If you're looking at U.S. leagues, is a better example than uh, than the NFL. And I would also say that uh, there is a a certain degree of revenue sharing and 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 uh, uh, yet uh, maintain maintenance of independence for independent franchises in Major League Baseball that the NFL and NBA don't have. So I agree with a lot of what Anthony is saying, but I don't think the NFL is, is, is the model to look at. I think they, they they might have been the trigger to create a lot of the problems in European football. And the European Super League is essentially now mimicking the NFL and, and uh, the Champions League finals now mimicking the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want a, an American inspiration in a, quote, closed league, I, I would say baseball is a better one. Yeah, and the NFL is definitely a TV league. I mean, more than half of the revenue that they generate uh, comes from TV revenue. Uh, I believe they bring in about $8 billion a year in, in revenue, uh, and then that's shared between the teams. The, the way that Major League Soccer is set up, though, Kartik, is that uh, the model is also to be a TV league. It's, it's you mean, created by uh, NFL owners, many of them. Uh, it's run by a commissioner who used to work for NFL, for NFL Europe. And the model is cl- a closed league. I think, I, I, I'm sure it was meant to be a TV league uh, initially, kind of thinking that that way, that's the way that they were kind of uh, envisioning this MLS working. And what happened was just the explosion of, um, of of access to leagues from around the world that really have like shot a lot of holes into that model with uh, Major League Soccer. But uh, yeah, interesting uh, comments there from Anthony. Raymond Orozco says, uh, I am a fan of European Soccer League, uh, Super League myself, or just moving the Champions League games to weekends or put in league games in the middle of the week. One point a lot of people aren't bringing up is about the topic is that, in, is that the European... In the European investors, a lot of them aren't even Europeans. This may have, uh, may have to be done for European teams to keep its global dominance over challenges. From North America and Asia, just look at the amount of investment by the, the two uh, continents. It's a rapidly changing market. Alex says, I know you guys talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but what sense does it make? Uh, does it have making Sporting KC playing uh, a MLS Cup playoff game at the same time as the Chiefs? 
they are for some reason forcing people to choose between uh, whether they want to watch uh, a playoff game in MLS or an NFL game. It just doesn't make any sense. Part of that, too, is the scheduling, too, where they're working weeks in advance and they don't know yeah. the matchups. Uh, the whole idea of playing at this time of the year anyway up against the NFL, up against college football, is insane unless you want to you mean, really undermine the TV ratings anyway. So that's a whole topic for, for a ch- calendar change uh, uh, day. A uh, couple yeah. of comments here. This, these are from iTunes. So Super Say Ian 6 says, A young listener, sophomore in college, not sure uh, how many of us out, are out there li- that listen to the show, but the show is fantastic. I started listening in June and haven't missed an episode since. Always uh, excited for the new episode on Thursdays. Keep up the good work. So, uh, so Ian, thank you for that. We get about 50,000 downloads a month, so there's definitely a lot of people listening to the show uh, like you. And then last but not least, PumpJack00 says on iTunes, I cut the cords years ago and have always struggled finding live games. This is a great pod with good information and interesting discussions. I'm not in media, but I find this pod to be a must-listen. So thank you there to PumpJack00. If you guys do enjoy the show, uh, share your feedback or your opinions on iTunes. We'd love to uh, see those uh, and let other people know, other soccer fans know uh, to tune in to the podcast. Also, if you have any questions for us, um, whether it's advice, opinions, uh, feedback, rants and raves, you can always email us through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on twitter at worldsoccertalk plus of course you can always post comments on worldsoccertalk.com Kartik, uh, if uh, I know it's been a busy, crazy couple of weeks in the politics uh, side of things, but I, I know there's soccer coverage too but where can people find you on twitter if they want to uh, read about some of your comments yeah, KKFLA737, this politics thing should wind down in the next few days, although it's, you know, good timing for me because it's an international break. <laughs> Again, I don't want to attack the international <laughs> game too much, but it, it's it's almost like I, I, I feel uh, I feel like the timing is pretty good. But KKFLA737 uh, should be transitioning back from the political stuff as the recounts end here in Florida and uh, back towards uh, – proper football uh, for for the uh, end of the international break and into uh, what is quite possibly the most exciting part of the European club season, which is after the November international break through uh, through Christmas. Yeah, so the stars have aligned with the international break and politics. I don't think the recount's over yet, though, Kartik. I think it's going to drag on, and uh, hopefully it won't drag on past uh, the international break. But with the international well, break... Well, the court, the court ruling we got we, uh, has said it should end by the 20th, so... Okay, we'll okay. See. All right, fingers crossed there. Uh, looking up uh, at this weekend, there's some big games to look forward to. We've got uh, England against USA in a friendly. Uh, we've got England against um, Croatia. Croatia. We also, yeah, we also have that thing that's on Sunday. We've got uh, USA against Italy, uh, Croatia against Spain, uh, Ireland against uh, Northern Ireland in a friendly. Wales against Denmark and many, many games. Actually, the Brazil against Uruguay looks interesting. Argentina against Mexico. So on paper, a lot of these games look like they might be good ones to watch. Also, the Netherlands against France with a lot on the line in terms of the, the UEFA Nations League. Uh, you got Germany. Yeah, the Ger- last Germany time could get Croatia- relegated. Yeah, Germany could get relegated. The last time Croatia visited England, now it's a generation ago, it feels like now, visited England in November, we remember what happened, which was uh, um, the Howler 
by was it Scott Carson or Ben Foster? I can't remember which or Paul Robinson. I can't remember who the England keeper There's was. There's been so many. Uh, Croatia, <laughs> yeah. England England loses at Wembley. Croatia goes on to uh, to 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 win that group. Goes to the Euros. Was very good in the Euros. Got unlucky against Turkey in the quarterfinals. I think it wasn't got put uh, eliminated. Uh, but now England has a chance to to win the Nations League group if they can beat Croatia, who were finalists in the World Cup and who eliminated them from the World Cup. Generally a uh, bogey team for England unless Theo Walcott plays like he did in the one game qualifier in Zagreb that I think people forget in, in 2009 I think it was under Capella but England-Croatia I'm looking forward to just because it's Chris it feels like it's become a big rivalry just because they happen to play a lot and they're kind of equally matched sides kind of equal I know English fans don't want to hear this but kind of relatively in the same place in international football over the course of the last uh, however long last more than a decade because that match I referenced was in 2007. So that is one match I'm actually really looking forward to, England-Croatia. Yeah, and I believe that one is at uh, Wembley, I believe. So that one should be uh, a must-see game there too. So so Kartik, uh, with so much to look forward to this weekend, hopefully on paper, and then hopefully that will evolve into actually uh, some good games that we watch uh, in person on TV or streaming. Uh, looking ahead to a great week and then club soccer returning as well as Soccer X coming up later this week. Uh, what should they do? Enjoy your football. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.